0: The Bain Free Radio Hour.
1: On the podcast, large deposits of water ice on Mars, apparently in over 200 flavors, including sour pickle. It's time we got that Mars mission done, folks. Plus, we continue with the complete audiobook serialization of Alliance of Equals by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. All right now. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour podcast. It's an honor to have you along. I'm Bain Senior Editor Tony Daniel. This time we have part two of a two-part interview with Steve Miller of the Sharon Lee and Steve Miller writing duo. Steve talks more about Sharon and Steve's new entry in the Liaden Universe series. That book is called Neogenesis, and it's out now in hardcover. So that's coming up. And we continue with the complete audiobook serialization of Sharon and Steve's Liaden Universe novel, Alliance of Equals. Lots of Liaden stuff around these parts at the moment, and we're glad of it. But first, here's the news. We have some January mass market paperbacks for you at the booksellers, ladies and gentlemen, skis, and some good ones they are. Out now is 1636 Mission to the Muggles by Eric Flint and Griffin Barber. This is a Ring of Fire alternate history book, of course, about those doughty West Virginians of the town of Grantville thrown back to the 17th century of Europe. But now Grantville and the US of E have sent out a mission to the area that will become India, where the mission finds a grieving emperor, obsessed with building that building that will be called the Taj Mahal, harem-bound princesses, warrior princes, and an Afghan adventurer embroiled in the many plots of the Mughal court. It's a great adventure and history-bending fun. Also out is Kill Before Dying by Travis S. Taylor. This is book five in Travis's City Agenda series. A century and a half after the Martian separatist wars, Alexander Moore returns to the stars with Siena Madeira, a United States Navy supercarrier spacecraft outfitted with advanced FTL and endless, strange, extremely effective quantum-based weapons and remote-sensing technology. And, of course, he's brought Marines and lots of them. Moore's task is to hunt down remnant weaponry platforms left by the brilliant, mad artificial intelligence known as Copernicus, the being ultimately responsible for the solar system-wide civil war. Now Copernicus has formed an alliance with something else out there with a similar goal. Wipe humanity from the galaxy forever. But Moore's not going to let that happen. Hey, and coming out next month is the sequel to this one. It's called Bringers of Hell. So get your military space adventure revved up with Kill Before Dying now and finish the race with Bringers of Hell in February. 1636 Mission to the Muggles by Eric Flint and Griffin Barber and Killed Before Dying by Travis S. Taylor are now out in mass market paperback at booksellers everywhere. This is part two of a two-part interview with Steve Miller talking about Neogenesis, the latest entry in the Leaden Universe series by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. Part one is available on a previous podcast. Hey, I want to welcome Steve Miller of Sharon Lee and Steve Miller back to the podcast. Hello, Steve.
2: Hi there, Tony.
1: Um, I'm just going to read about both of you guys since you you write together on the Lee Aiden Universe series. Uh, main based writer Sharon Lee and Steve Miller teamed up in the late 1980s to bring the world the story of Kinzel and an inept wizard with a love of cats and a thirst for justice and a staff of true power. Since then, the husband and wife team have written dozens of short stories and 20-plus novels, most set in their star-spanning Lieden Universe series. Before settling down to the serene and stable life of a science fiction and fantasy writer, (laughs) ha ha, Steve was a traveling poet, a rock band reviewer, reporter, and editor of a string of community newspapers. Sharon has been an advertising copywriter, copy editor on on, uh, newspaper, reporter, photographer, book reviewer, the stuff you do before you... You make it as a uh, full-time uh, fiction writer. Those days are long gone now. We are eleven Bane exclusive novels into the Lleidan universe, many short stories and novellas, and reprints, uh, reissues of the old books, and Lord knows how many total novels. I bet Steve knows though. <laughs> Is it twenty-six or something like that?
2: <clears throat> I, 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 it's it really does depend how you count. Sharon has uh, four novels on her own. And then we've done, I believe, 26 novels together, uh, not counting the one that we're working on, uh, Im- immediately working on. Um, in fact, we we keep a, uh, a little box around here that Sharon had when I met her. It's a wooden file box, and we just finished a story the other day for an anthology, and that particular story was Lee and Miller Project Number 84. <laughs> And, uh, so that, that's, and this is, this, since it was for an anthology, it's an accepted story. These are our stories that are stories and novels that have been, um, that have been accepted. So that's probably about seven or eight million words by now.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful star spanning, uh, generation spanning series, um, Uh, Very hard to encapsulate entirely, but we'll talk about the latest book, which is at booksellers now, and the latest entry in the Leiden universe is Neogenesis. This is the book where we really dig into artificial intelligence as it presents itself in the Leiden universe. We talked about Admiral Bunter um, and Tali and his relationship a little bit, but can you um, can you sort of outline that as well? This is a really important um, thing that happened last book, and now it's carried forward um, carried forward into Neo Genesis. Admiral Bunter is becoming uh, asset now.
2: Yes, Ad- Admiral Bunter, who had um, been brought together in essence as a um, Single control module that was vaguely intelligent to control a number of uh, pieces of, um, of equipment, old ships, uh, in a way that um, could could be used to, to defend the, the other space station that we had mentioned. Uh, uh, but Admiral Bunter had um, been making decisions based on any, on inexperience and the fact that he hadn't been properly trained. Tully came along, was brought into the uh, was brought into the equation, uh, essentially through connections with, I believe, through connections with Jeeves, as I recall, all of it. And um, but the whole idea was that Tully would be able to bring uh, Admiral Bunter together as a uh, a functioning person, uh, and uh, that's what's that's part of what's um, what's come forward. Uh, what's also come forward is that uh Tully, who has a um has a relationship with a um, an ex, ex ex-strang um uh, the x strang being ancient an ancient line of soldiers um that Tully having been um, Is that
1: uh Yuri or no
2: um I'm, try, I'm trying not to bring everybody's name in at once because we.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Just go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. If I bring up everybody's names.
1: Oh my God. Yes.
2: It's we <laughs> say. It's a difficulty we face when we when we start trying to to explain um, Edger, uh, and people will ask us uh, Edger from from the first of the books, Agent of Change. Um, people ask us well, why can't we have a story about Edger? And, you know, Edger's name is like 30, 35 minutes long just to give the, his full name. So when he meets three other three other members of his race, the Clutch, um, you, you'd be doing an hour and a half of introductions, and they would be thinking that that was hasty. So we don't want to go <laughs> into um, the, the complete line.
1: Those Clutch turtles. Yeah.
2: There. Uh, but So we end up with um, Tali... Uh, Needing to again try to help bring Admiral Bunther into uh, a um, into balance with himself and into balance with the with the world, and uh, that's how we ended up uh, attracting Irukanai Yo, um, who was saying, "Gee, we got a if we got some AIs out here, maybe I can pick them up for what we're doing." At which point, there is an intercept. In effect, with uh, Toko coming in from being sent by Jeeves um, to to this place, now we mentioned the delm before. see this is a, it's, it's kind of complicated. Um, we mentioned the delm before. The delm has quote unquote seen tokol, that is the delm. Balkan and Miri together have recognized Tokel as a daughter of the clan of Clan Korval, uh, which means that Toko has a number of um, social defenses uh, and legal defenses that most other AIs wouldn't have um, for her actions, but that also means that Toko becomes that much more of a prize for somebody like Yo to uh to try to take over and to... This all comes back to Tali, because Tali, of course, recognizes, uh, since Tali has been acting uh, in <clears throat> in part as a uh, member of the uh, the port guard back, remember Shoreblack? Back on Shorebleak, And um, he'd been acting as a port guard there. He leaves uh, being attacked by members of the Liar Institute, It is complicated. And um, all all of these threads wrap together into having multiple AIs uh, interfering for their own purposes as well as the purposes of the Dome of Corval, interfering for their own necessities, and Tali's necessity of trying to, one, he wants to survive. That's pretty good. Uh, And two, he wants to allow these particular people that that is the AI people to be people, um all of these things come into conflict and t- conflict there. Coco yeah. is uh is an unexpected development from, from for yo and for uh and for Tully but presented with uh Tully Tully's reaction is I've got to, you know I've got to treat this person properly. And Iracanio is is not. Um, it's not that she doesn't understand um, what Tully is doing, uh, but she has enough of the Old Liar Institute programming still stuck in her that, as much as she may admire it, and as much as she may fight it, she's not um, she's not enti- entirely clear of their uh, of
1: yeah their and necessity. And she at the beginning, she's almost got. Uh Toko in her power or she's trying to if
2: she's trying to and in fact if if Jeeves had not been the um Kenny old um warfighter that he ha- that he was um Toko would have not been able to defend herself uh, as well as she turns out to be able to yeah
1: um, That so that's the dire straits. Um, another grouping, um, uh, well, it's, and, and Tolly. um, Admiral Bunter is, is growing more intelligent and, and insightful, but he's still got like, um, he, he needs to, his setting adjusted in various ways. And, and Tali almost gets killed near the beginning, right? Right.
2: Yeah. There, it. it's, what well, what we've got these people doing is all, in many cases is that they're in mortal danger that's and that's part of the way they their lives have been put together um that um uh, you know it's like if what, what what's your what's your job well if my if my job happens to be a, uh, I defuse mines um that means when you go to work you're in danger um you try to to lessen it as much as possible but you have to be aware that um uh, how much are you willing to do? How how important is doing the job to you? And at what point do you um, say, no, I can't do the job? Or at what point do you say, okay, well, this is what needs done. And so Tali is yeah. sort of in in um, in that spot.
1: Hey, I just thought of a great pun by uh, Tali diffuses minds. <laughs> yeah. Does that kind of work? Ah, never mind. So it
2: it, it it it's there. It's it, it's part of what he. It, it is. Um, yep. it, it is part of of what it. In fact, it is part of what he does.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Bunter just. I mean, Bunter's still Mr. Spock, logical. Um, in that. Uh, he decides at one point that it just might make sense to kill him.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's nothing
1: he's personal. Just.
2: Burning well, yeah this this guy is a threat to me and i've got him running around inside my head adjusting how i think. Um you know maybe i'm better off without him. So so yeah there there's a, there's there's a, we did try to make sure, make sure that there was uh, interpersonal tension there.
1: Yeah. Um all right there is we have other threads here <laughs> and i want to one of them I, I wanted to understand better is is Dav, Yosfilim, and aliana um really? are, you, you however you say it uh, you'll, you 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 can tell me they're very odd entity persons, something uh <laughs> they are related and, and they are with this dude uncle now, who the hell is he um he is ancient and kind of okay. kind of odd and Bingo. Tell us a little bit about that, and tell me the names correctly, please.
2: <laughs> okay, well, it's it's Davius Felium and Aliana, and you, you have those. And um, Aliana and Dav, we, we, you mentioned earlier Valcon and Miri. Well, Aliana and Dav are life mates the same way that Valcon and Miri are life mates. Uh, they are not life mates in the same way in that um, – Due to Aliana being a wonderful mathematician, um, a super, super, super mathematician, um, she was able to calculate at one point when somebody pulled a gun on Dav that he was going to get shot. And she didn't want that to happen, so she stepped in the way, uh, which meant she was killed. And um, which also meant that their life mating um, did what, and occasionally, a life mating could do is that, um, in effect, she was able to live on uh, as part of Dove because they were they had, they were, that much together through the interse- interference of um, or the um, uh, relationship with the tree. Um, she had actually been able to survive inside of Dove's mind as an individual person. Uh, the uncle. Uh, because of a necessity, brought to Dov by Miri. Now see, These threads are kind of complicated. Um, Dov had been sent off on a mission uh, by Miri and had been uh, very nearly um, shredded during that mission, just barely surviving. The uncle came along, and the uncle had a, uh, happened to come along because The reason they were there was that this had been one of his old outposts that that the Department of the Interior had been trying to take over and looking for the old tech. Um, In essence, what happened is that Dal got killed, but he wasn't dead, quite dead yet, and the uncle had a a healing unit that was able to uh, keep him alive until it was seen that he was not, in fact, going to survive exactly as he was. So he would need to be, in effect, rebirthed using a a system that the uncle used for himself to keep himself living because, in fact, the uncle can trace himself back to the old universe. And he was one of the the sources of some of the great technologies that that had traveled through him. Uh, But the uncle had had survived that, and then he's now brought to the necessity – of trying to uh, keep Clan Corval, he has a special a number of special relationships with Clan Corval, including with Theo Waitley, because Theo is traveling around in a ship that he had helped build, and then that ship um, had, for good good reasons, been told, "Run off on your own little ship and be be your own self." Um, see, that's another one of the AIs. Um, all all of this stuff going on. Well, Davin Aliana are brought to a healing brought to a healing unit at which point the uncle discovers that we're not dealing he wasn't dealing with one person to be revived and and brought back but actually two and so he must provide out of his supplies a um, an additional body so that they can so that Aliana can be um brought back to life as well and it's a um it's it's a complex thing. We've only been working on it for seven books. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you um, picture the uncle? I mean, he's a, he, he has a human form ish.
2: Oh, yes. The, the, the uncle is, um, is in fact, um, he, human. Um, he is, um, Probably beyond human in some ways, in that he's had this extensive, uh, continual series of lives and rebirths and lives and rebirths that he's been able to um, to construct for himself and for a few uh, a few of his um, close associates, and uh, he has some particular goals in mind, and part of what he's been trying to do for those of you who've been. You know, reading along from the very beginning, and when he starts showing up in vague references and stuff, is that part of what the uncle has been doing all along? Has been trying to um, pull together, even even in the very his very first appearance, uh, back in the Crystal Soldier and Crystal Dragon books. In his very first appearance, you find the uncle working to to keep alive and to to respect the necessities of um a life form that was brought into being by a, a place much like the Lear Institute and uh he's got that that urge that that um, intelligent life should 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 go forward and that it's you know it's not all about humans but it's all about the intelligence and it's not all uh so he's he's had that urge from the beginning and so He is, um, in one way, he's just a a crazy old mad guy, Um, except that he's crazy like a fox, and he's been doing this for real long, and he has a goal, and he's still working towards his goal, and all these other people get in his way from time to time. Uh, But he is uh, uh, sort of, if if you've been a game player, um, uh, he's kind of, what would you call it, neutral good, chaotic good? he even chaotic good.
1: <laughs> well, he's he's kind of a uh the wise old man figure or, a, or even a wizard uh to me. He he comes across that way. I don't know if you would.
2: Well, he he does he does know a lot and we have shown in some scenes where he's he's in some loca- some few scenes he's been wandering around with with um smart strands and things that helped him remember things from from past lives we you know he has uh but he has essentially he has been there and done that more than anybody else in the book except the tree yeah
1: um one other couple uh of bonds that are in the book um is anthora and rinzel um uh, who are having a big problem that develops in this book <laughs> uh, at least rinzel is um and can you talk about that a little bit and what it means i i I really like this couple they are um
2: Ren, Renzel and Anthora have been have been um have been in and out of the story for some time and they are um i've had some people who think that they're just there for the romantic interest and then periodically they say, "No, wait a minute um and that's that's part of uh, part of the thing um uh, Renzel is a um, is a pilot. And Anthora is um part of Valcon. He's part of Corval, part of uh Corval's long history of producing people with uh psychic and or magical or whatever abilities, people with far too much um power. Some of them are healers, some of them are what we call Dremlis, where they can uh move move things with their minds, they can Act at a distance; they can do those kinds of things, and that's Anthora. She can she can do that. She's very powerful. Some people call her a wizard. And Renzel is, um, and and just for the for the balance of things, uh, Balcon is about the only person who can tell Anthora no, can to say no. You can't do that. Stop, because again. Uh, we 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 try to produce balance when we have these these kinds of things. And Renzo is a is a a pilot, and um, he's a a wild card in a lot of ways. And he's got an an ability to see um, the in effect the bonds that hold the universe together. And he has discovered that not only does he have the ability to see those bonds that if he wishes to, he can actually mess with those bonds, um, which gives him, in effect, um, if he was in a real bad mood, and he looked at all the the things that hold that, this particular universe together, that he can see it so well that he could move them around so that the universe would disassociate. Um, and so he and Anthora have got to deal with um, have got to deal with that uh, and it becomes interwoven with the um, necessities of tensori light with the necessities of Corval, with the necessities of Tully Jones uh they they all have got to um to work in together
1: yeah. and he does he, he has a a vision that something bad is coming or possibly coming
2: well if he see he can he can look into he can look into what's actually in the universe, uh, sort of into the subatomics, into the but, and sees that there is change uh, approaching. And in, in, in effect, there, that there is, uh, he having had this vision of universe, uh, he can see that the the vision of the future universe is not where he would like where, it, that not something that he's comfortable with, not like where he would like to see it, and so he can also understand that there's a place where he's going to um have to do something with his with his ability and he also is, becomes addicted to his ability. He becomes addicted to looking into the far spaces, into the greater universe. And sometimes he you know, there's not much happening for him Relatively locally, I mean, you know, people are live, living, they're dying, they're living, they're dying. But look what I see when I look into the great universe. And so he's becoming more and more uh, ineffective, victim of his own power.
1: Yeah. And what's at stake in Neogenesis, ultimately, with all these strands coming together, is that is that there's a chance that the whole universe will end. Um.
2: Yes. Yes, that, that's um, there is a chance that, and there is a, there is a chance that Davin Aliana will not come out of properly come out of the um, healing units, and there is the chance that um, Tully will fail in his attempt to um, deal with Ericana Yo, and um, that there is a chance that Admiral Bunter might just say, "That's it, kid." Yeah. There is a chance that yes, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of things on the line in the book where people people are um where people are in danger and they don't understand the scale they cannot comprehend individually the scale of the danger that they're all part of
1: yeah it's a, i mean it sounds so complicated when we talk about it but it it comes together so beautifully um in the narrative um i don't know how y'all pull it off but you do it every book um so, what are you working on now, you and Sharon?
2: Well, I, you know, it, it, it's—I uh, I don't mean to—to to make it an anti—oh, um, there's a name for that. Let, let's call it something else. Um, what we're working on is on a book that, um, and we are—we still don't have a real title for it—is um, the book that. Uh, deals with a number of other things that have been put into motion, some in this book and some um, before this particular book, but parts of the parts of the same threads. And um, I, I hesitate to um, to go into a whole lot of detail because we're at sixty thousand words in, uh, and that means we've got about sixty thousand words to go.
1: So it's the next entry in the Le universe, and it's going to be related to neogenesis
2: it's going- well it's going to be related to neogenesis, and by the same token it's going to be related to all most of the other books well
1: yes series. <laughs> um occasionally you um, you you step out and do other threads though um at at other times right That's...
2: yeah yeah- yes, we do, and we have some of those other threads that are um that are hanging fire right now while we finish this one, because we we got to a point with um, this one where we said, oh, you know what? Oh, yes, that's what this means. And you go off a chapter or two and say, no, wait a minute, not in this one, because this thread by itself is a novel, and this thread by itself is a novel, so not in this one. So we have to um, kind of go, okay, well, that means we need to hint, hint to this here, take this here, and remember to come back to this particular one. So that we've we've had a fair amount of that one of that with this book. In fact, a lot of that because of Neogenesis, because Neogenesis does um finish a good a, a fair number of the threads that that began very very early in the um,
1: Yeah, there's some some period. a really cool uh, finale. Um what do we have a title on the next one yet or are you still thinking about that?
2: Um yeah, th- this one is this one is um being uh, fairly recalcitrant because as i said we're we're at the uh, the 60,000 the 60,000 word mark and you know if we were um if we were in a space mission and we were launching to to mars you know you get to about the halfway point mm-hmm. you say okay now we need to start slowing down or whatever uh you know you with with the space mi- the space missions where you're going between two Two things of uh, similar inertia. You just you go halfway there, power up, and then turn around and power back. Well, it's not kind of like that. It's more like we're um neogenesis is going to be giving us that that uh, gravity that gravity fling, and so we're expecting that somewhere between sixty thousand words and ninety thousand words, we're going to say, "Oh, right, this." Not that we don't know. Basically, where the book is going, but what usually happens when we're dealing with the characters is that one of them comes to an epiphany and in that epiphany says something or does something that becomes part of the part of the title. Hmm. so that that's what we're we're hanging on for for in terms of titling.
1: Well, cool, that is upcoming. Uh, out now though, is Neogenesis. that's the latest entry in the Ledin universe uh by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. It's out now at Booksellers Everywhere. Well Steve, thank thank you so much for joining us and, and uh I know Sharon's not feeling well so uh, wish her the best from from all of us listeners and uh, and from your host here.
2: Okay. Thank you for for having us having me on today and um Sharon is uh, resting her her back carefully with the, the aid of three coon cats, <laughs> at the moment so she's getting about the best aid we can give her in the house.
1: All right. Well, tell her to get well soon so she can finish the next book with you. So. <laughs> right.
2: We're 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 moving along there.
1: This is another entry in Alliance of Equals a Liaden Universe novel by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. Beset by the angry remnants of the Department of the Interior, and challenged at every turn by opportunists on their new homeworld of Sherbleek and low on funds, Clan Corval desperately needs to re-establish its position as one of the top trading clans in known space. To this end, Master Trader Sean Yos Galen and Corval's premier trade ship, Dutiful Passage, is on a mission to establish new business associations and to build a strong primary route that links well with existing loops and secondary routes. But reestablishing trade and preserving the lives of the few remaining members of the clan aren't all of Corval's problem. Matters come to a head as Dutiful Passage, accustomed to being welcomed and feeded at those ports on its call list, finds itself Denied docking and blacklisting while agents of the DOI mounted armed attacks on others of Corville's traders under the very eyes of port security systems. Traveling with dutiful trader on this unsettling journey is Patty Oskalen, the master trader's heir and his apprentice. Patty is eager to make up for time lost due to Corville's unpleasantness with the Department of the Interior, but she is also keeping a secret so intense that her coming of age and perhaps her very life is threatened by it. And here is the latest entry in Sharon Lee and Steve Miller's Alliance of Equals.
0: Chapter 20 Admiral Bunter, Atha's Jumble Stop It was a tidy ship that had seen some use, but careful use and loving. There was some dust about, and the bright work was dim. He hesitated at that, an echo of the admiral's wistful voice in memory, clean. Lucky for his status as head mentor, he wasn't the only one on the team with a memory. Haz had set herself to house cleaning with an efficiency that gave him pause. Looks like you'd done this before, he commented, watching her swab out the galley. She glanced over her shoulder to him. I was not the least inept of my class, she said, in straight-faced, has humor. He gave her a grin. Least you learned something useful in school. That surprised an actual laugh out of her maybe the fourth or fifth in all of the time he'd known her. It was a rough, low sound, not without charm, once you knew what it was you were hearing. In fact, she said, I did learn something useful. He nodded, though she'd turned back to her scrubbing and wandered to the bridge, where Tokel was giving the comps an inspection and tune-up, the likes of which he was willing to bet they'd never had. I believe that these, with the cranium, will be more than adequate, she said. You and Inky may proceed. Tolly moved blocks, cutting off access to piloting, that was all. He'd considered making life support off-limits, too, for this first session. Had he been awakening a newborn, he would have done so. Standard protocols there. Wake a new one with limited access, then slowly add systems as lessons proceeded and trust was built. Interaction by careful interaction. Admiral Bunter, though. Admiral Bunter had been aware, awake, and in charge of his own vessels, junk though they'd been. He knew what systems he ought to be able to access. It would be enough of an insult, cutting off piloting like he was doing. Cutting off life support was just shouting on wideband that they didn't trust him and asking for more trouble than they wanted. If Admiral Bunter had survived the transfer intact or at all, if Admiral Bunter were actually sane, after his time trapped in seven physical environments that were falling apart around him, and 13 dirty comps unfit to hold his thoughts. Well, they'd know that soon enough now. He felt a shiver of combined hope and fear, and sternly put both aside. No time for Tolly Jones's feelings in this. He was a mentor, responsible for nothing less than a life. Tolly set the last block between what ought to be the Admiral and piloting, and considered those others that cut the Admiral off from consciousness. Three blocks at three critical junctures. He hesitated then, which was just plain and fancy foolishness. Him and Inky, they knew the risks, and each had chosen to stand open-handed before the Admiral, trusting him not to shut down their air or freeze them or fry them. Course, they had Tokel as their backup, be stupid not to, which evened the odds. Haz, though, he'd asked Haz to go back to Terrigan in case there was trouble with Station wanting them gone. That hadn't been the only reason, which she had an uncomfortable feeling she knew. Hadn't given him any argument, though. Only looked at him a little longer than maybe was necessary, nodded, and gathered up her kit. So, removing block one, he murmured, and heard Inky's ack. The monitors showed some action, all green. So far, so good. Hope stirred. He ignored it. Removing block two. More action on the monitors, green, green, yellow. He pulled up detail on that yellow, found ethics module at 90%. Not a big loss, but ethics was core. Admiral Bunter had some extra homework in his future. Inky, I see it, Mentor. Surely nothing that cannot be recovered with targeted mentoring. They were of the same mind then. That was good. He'd started this job thinking Inkirani Yo was going to be a nuisance. But she'd proved herself sensible and solidly grounded in the subtleties of what she termed their art. He was glad to have her to bounce ideas off of, and he was very pleased to have her sitting as his backup. Third block, he said, and the monitors flared green with a leavening of yellows in non-core areas. Not as bad as it could have been. Not as bad as he'd expected to see. He reached for the mic, but, what place is this? The voice was loud. It carried clear astonishment and maybe a little anger. Morning, Admiral. This is Mentor Tolly Jones. Remember me? There was no pause at all, which was gratifying in what it said about the install and the comp. Socialization, though. Tolly added another to the list of those things requiring focused tutoring. I remember you, Mentor Tolly Jones. You offered a choice, transfer to a new environment or die. I remember, but I did not choose. If memory had suffered in the transfer, that was worrisome, but not fatal. And if all that escaped the Admiral's memory were those things immediately prior to transfer, that was hardly worrisome at all. The same thing sometimes happened to human minds suffering a life-changing event. The little details of what happened immediately before the big change got swallowed up and forgotten. Still, wanna do me a favor and check your backups on that? We're gonna have to be doing checks anyway, so might as well start now. There was a pause this time, though not nearly long enough to be comfortable in human conversation. I have it, Admiral Bunter said. I was sabotaged. You cheated me of my choice. Tolly raised his eyebrows. Please explain. A longer pause this time, as if the Admiral was reassessing his information. Is Tokol Lorlin available to speak with me? She's on duty elsewhere at the moment. Can you tell me what happened to take your choice away from you? Our mutual friend had uploaded a packet containing some simple utility programs. I had used one after we spoke the first time, Mentor. It initiated a self-test and packed lesser-used routines. I remember noticing a difference in you when we talked the second time, Tolly said, one eye on the various readouts. Was there another utility that you ran after we visited you on the packet boat? Mentor, there was. I was in a state of disarray. I would not choose, and I became so disordered that I might, I might have done myself harm. It was then that this second utility presented itself, and I accessed it. There was a moment of non-thinking. I see it here in the log. Then I was returned, but remote. I was no longer troubled by indecision or fear. Another pause. I also see in the log that, while in that distant state, I gave you my decision to attempt the transfer. So you were mistaken in your assumption that I tricked you and took your choice away? Tali asked. Yes, I was. Right then. What we say when we've made a statement about someone's actions or motives that is later proved wrong is, I was mistaken. Please forgive me. Some humans run a shorthand and say, I'm sorry. This is called an apology. I'd like to have an apology, please, for being accused of actions that I didn't perform. Why, the Admiral inquired. And if it wouldn't have muddied the waters still more, Tolly would have stood up and cheered. Instead, he sternly repressed his grin and explained because this false accusation has wounded me emotionally and has placed a strain on our relationship, which must be one of trust if we're to succeed. An apology signals that the error is known for an error and that you want our relationship to deepen in trust. I was in error, the Admiral said. I apologize, mentor Tolly Jones. Thank you. I accept your apology. Now, I'll tell you that you're resident in a small freighter in good repair. You probably noticed that piloting is outside of your control. This is a temporary measure until we've completed the checks. Mentor Inkyrani Yo will also be working with you. It's necessary that you master certain vital lessons quickly. Jemiatha's station master has stated that your protection is no longer needed. There are no more pirates, inquired the admiral. There are always pirates. In the judgment of the station master, Jemiatha's jumble stop is now able to deal appropriately with pirates. You're free to seek your fortune elsewhere. These decisions fall within the purview of the station master, who asks that you clear station space as quickly as you can. Give me access to piloting, and I will file a departure. Do you know what a bounty hunter is? Tolly asked. One who pursues pirates for a reward. Almost good. By the definition of bounty hunters, you're a pirate. This is not factual. Your existence is illegal. Access complex logic laws. Tolly blinked. I am a pirate, the Admiral said. I should therefore turn myself in to these authorities. Now see, Tolly said, that's why you need mentoring. Let's start with a basic system check. On my mark, mark. We will, Paddy said, glancing down at her notepad, though she had long since committed the information displayed there to memory. We will offer our guests a choice of wine, fruit juices, tea or coffee as beverages. Various hand foods will be displayed on tables so that they may serve themselves. What sorts of hand foods? Master trader Jos Galen asked, which was perfectly reasonable and on topic. Paddy owned herself relieved. She had expected to be narrowly questioned regarding the wines and vintages. As we are arriving at the height of Langlast's growing season, there will be platters of fresh local vegetables and fruits. With appropriate complimentary sauces. We will also offer our guests a choice of local cheeses and an array of fresh breads. For those who prefer, there will be a selection of cookies, small cakes, and flavored ices. Excellent! He raised his glass and paused, looking at her over the rim. What wines shall we have on offer, I wonder? Damn! Paddy thought, and bent her head as if consulting her notes. For the wines, I fear we must depend upon the wisdom of the catering service. They promise a local blend appropriate to the season, light and agreeable, they say. She looked up from her notepad to see him watching her seriously. We might, she said slowly, Wish to bring a few bottles from the passage's cellar, if you feel the local wine will stint the guests. He tipped his head as if considering. We might do so, he said, but we are at a disadvantage in regard to local custom. Our wines may well be considered evening wines of a sort, perhaps to be shared by intimates a light blend at a midday reception. It is conservative, perhaps, but not ungracious. We expect that our guests will be stopping at the reception in the course of their usual rounds on port. It would be very bad of us to make the traders of Langlast Port tipsy in the middle of their day. She smiled. There is that. Well, He straightened and put the glass aside. These arrangements seem perfectly adequate. However, did you manage it? Surely he knew this, she thought, somewhat grumpily. Then shook her grumpiness away. The reception was a test, after all. It was hardly unreasonable that he should ask her to show her work. There are several catering services on port. Paddy explained. I found them listed in the port guidebook and researched each while we were still in jump. Ultimately, I chose Hartensis Catering and Receptions because it had the highest rating among both local and non-local clients, and also because they have close ties with several local growers, which ensures that their produce is fresh and of a fitting quality. She paused to glance down at her pad, not because she needed to refresh herself, but because she felt the need of a pause, and had foolishly not provided herself with a glass of wine or a cup of tea with which to gracefully buy time. When the passage had broken into real space and we were on approach, I contacted Hartensis and explained our needs as I understood them. I was fortunate to gain the attention of the senior on duty, who has arranged many such affairs. In large measure, she said, meeting his eyes firmly, I allowed myself to be guided by her experience. He inclined his head. It is often wise to place oneself into the hands of an expert, Though I have found that placing oneself entirely into another's hands is sometimes more expensive than one might have anticipated. Yes, she should have mentioned that point explicitly, Paddy thought, and nodded. During the research phase, I was able to ascertain the average price for such an event as you wished to present to the traders of Langlast Port. I also found, during the research phase, that one of the three catering services on port quoted low. But as the planning continued, it was found that such things as fresh-baked bread rather than table crackers were available only for an extra charge. Very often with this vendor, the final bill was found to be far more expensive than the quoted and invoiced prices of either of their competitors. Hartensis ratings showed no such invoicing complaints, and while their events were not rated grand, several past clients mentioned quiet elegance and an air of conviviality. These qualities seem to me to be a good match for the Melantes of the passage and of the master trader. Because one is ever so quiet, he murmured with a half smile. However, your understanding of what is due the passage is, I know, very nice. Allow me to compliment you. Thank you, she said, pleased to hear him say so even as some part of her still worried that she might perhaps have made an error which would not come to light until they arrived on port to find the reception hall dark, or the vegetable dishes wilted, or the ices a warm puddle, or Here is the invitation I have written, Master Trader Jos Galen said, interrupting these increasingly panicked thoughts by spinning his screen toward her. Please review it, and let me know if you find any omissions or errors. He stood. May I bring you something to drink? Please, she said, her eyes already on the screen. Some cold tea would be welcome. It occurred to her just then that he ought not to be refreshing her glass. She was the apprentice. It was her duty to ensure the comfort of the master. And then the letter caught all of her attention, and the small niggle of misplaced Melanti escaped. Well, he asked, settling back into his chair. I see nothing amiss with the letter, she said, sitting back herself and reaching for her cup. I am puzzled, though. You kindly recommended me to the notice of those who will attend as a promising Prentice trader with a bold trade record. And yet, he waited, lifting his glass for a sip. Paddy sighed. In fact, the apprentice has no such record, she said briskly. A few small trades at known ports can scarcely be called competent, much less bold. You are severe, the master trader said, and abruptly spun his chair. And I am remiss. A moment. He reached to the keyboard, tapped in a rapid sequence. The invitation letter reformed into another document entirely, this one under guild seal. Master Trader Nolan, the objective eye in your case regarding Chesselport, has advised the guild that the fault lies with the port and recommends that Trader Yos Galen be awarded full credit for an effort of trade worthy of one who has earned the ruby. But please, read it for yourself. Paddy's heartbeat quickened as she leaned forward to read the letter. It was, in fact, precisely as he said. She had been exonerated. Her mylaster trade had been recorded at full profit. In addition, Father said, Master Trader Nolan advised the guild that Chessel is a port that the smaller and more vulnerable traders have taken to avoiding. Word is that the auction hall employs a reference-checking service that is known to examine records with a suspicious eye. It often advises the hall of outstanding fines, even when such fines have long been retired, or of criminal activity on, shall we say, very little evidence. And often, even when contrary evidence is easily accessible... He moved his shoulders, deploring the insolence of fools. Master Nolan also notes that the reference company receives a 1% finder's fee out of all monies collected from airing ships and traders. Paddy muttered. I beg your pardon, Paddy. I said, I wonder if Magistrate Tinnerest knows of this. An interesting question but one that need not concern us. She looked up. Will Chesselport not be part of the new route then? He sipped his wine, a frown, pulling his brows close. It will not, he said, and held up a hand as if he had heard her intent to protest. There is, of course, this matter of an overzealous interpretation of circumstance for its own benefit on the part of a port-side entity. Not only were you defrauded and detained, I was apparently invited to a port master's reception in order that I be taken up by port security as a criminal. I believe that I would not have spent much time in detention, Priscilla's feelings in such matters being firm. Still, I feel that any levied fines would have remained with the port. The magistrate utilizing precisely the same reasoning which lost you your profit while releasing you to your ship. He shook his head. No, I fear Chesilport will not do. But the Mylaster trade, it would be profitable next time, now that we're known. Would it, he asked, eyebrows raised now. Paddy hesitated. The magistrate had seemed honest to her, but if port admin was not. Perhaps we might revisit in a standard or three, she said slowly. Enough time that they may have made needful changes? Perhaps, I do intend to open a correspondence with Master Nolan and the Guild regarding the matter. Master Nolan's information would seem to be that the behavior is fixed and of long duration. That was, she conceded, reasonable and fell within the proper care of master traders, while also ensuring the safety of ship and crew. I would like to learn the outcome of those discussions, if it can be shared, she said. Master trader Jos Galen considered her for a long moment. Paddy met his eyes firmly. It was, after all, a reasonable request and not forward. Well, perhaps only a little forward. I will inform my correspondents that you have an interest and ask if they have any objections to copying you on our deliberations. Paddy caught her breath and bowed her head. Thank you, Master Trader. No need to thank me, he said. In fact, I believe it possible that you will be wishing me at the devil, for you will be a silent partner in these discussions. You and I will, of course, talk about what may go forth, "'but you will not intrude into the deliberations of masters. "'So long as you and I may discuss what's being said, "'I am content,' she told him formally "'and pretended to ignore his grin. "'I believe,' he said, spinning the screen to face him, "'that it is time for you to go off-shift. "'If you will take my advice,' You will be certain to have cards and copies of your trade resume available at the reception. She blinked at him. How many, she asked, and he turned his head to look at her, his face just a shade too serious. I can't imagine, he said. Perhaps you had better research the matter.
1: That was another entry in the complete audiobook serialization of Alliance of Equals by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller, and that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Audible.com and to podcast theme composer Ruth Judkowitz, and a package from the future including a harvesting device for extracting fallen graham crackers from milk before they bloat and float, plus the thanks and gratitude of the clans and claves of space operators everywhere for Steve Miller, author of Neogenesis by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. Please join us next time here at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars.